0: All right, welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode, finally, of the final, final podcast here. Long break in between my last episodes, eight months long to kind of give you a range there, like a full NFL season long, and I'm sorry for that. I mean, it was an incredible NFL season, and it was kind of the main reason I didn't have an episode during the season with a little more responsibility at NFL Network, my everyday job, which was great. But it took up a lot of time, of my time and energy, with the new network building moving right next to SoFi Stadium, which meant new systems and everything that goes along with that, which I was one of the first to be a part of, which was great. The Super Bowl was in LA this year, which was both insanely chaotic and amazing at the same time. And uh, my getting to go to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, all that, and uh, some of my own personal things led to this podcast hiatus, you could say. But I'm very excited to be back and in, in doing these again. Hopefully, actually, I'm, I'm planning on doing, or I'm thinking about doing more than one per week, kind of one at the beginning and, and one at the end of the week, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But no better time to get back into this podcast here with the opening day slash week of the NFL Free Agency and on the eve of the NCAA March Madness Tournament beginning. So let's dive right into that, and we'll start with the king of sports right now, of course, in terms of the NFL. So let's go there. I mean, we had the legal tampering period in the NFL that just happened, and now today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, Wednesday is the official day for these free agents and these trades in the NFL to go down. Um, I mean, the off-season drama of, of the NFL draws as much attention as the regular season. It's just nonstop with the NFL and and to start off with the NFL, we'll start with the big news and that's quarterbacks. Kind of a, in my opinion, a true quarterback carousel this offseason. And it isn't over yet. We still have some dominoes that haven't fallen that we're expecting to fall as well. And we'll get to all that right now. I mean, but usually you you hear all during the season and when it comes towards the end in the playoffs, one of the things they look forward to in the offseason is, oh, is this quarterback gonna move here? And we usually don't get that big name quarterback moving or any of that drama. We've had it this offseason and we'll start with Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. He's staying in Green Bay. We know that for at least 2 to 3 years it looks like with his brand new contract, 150 million dollars in guarantees. Um, we don't know, I don't know if we have the exact details of this thing yet, but it's one of it's a weird it's it's a weird contract in the sense where the longer he stays with the Packers, the higher his cap hit goes up with the green Bay Packers. And that's usually that's, that's definitely opposite of what you see with guys. The longer they stay on, their, on your team, the lower their cap hit, which the cap hit is dead money is when they're not on your team, but there's, you're still paying that salary. Aaron Rodgers is backwards where his goes up the longer he stays on the team. And this is because one, I think it leaves them the option of Aaron Rodgers If he retires in a year or two years, um, to then they still have to pay him that money and also it gives them that flexibility this offseason which the Packers desperately needed to keep a lot of their team together like a Devondre Campbell on the defensive side for the Packers who they were able to keep we'll get to that one as well but Rodgers I believe it's a four or five year extension looks like most likely a two to three year extension with 150 million in guarantees $50 million per year makes him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, as it should, coming off of back-to-back MVP seasons. Um, it looks like we'll at least go the rest of this offseason and next offseason, not having to worry if Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay or whatnot, whatever you have you say there. But there are now questions that come with this deal for Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay. It looks like this deal kind of also has him cemented as retiring with the Packers, but the bigger question is, what does Aaron Rodgers and the Packers need to do in this two, three-year span to sew up his legacy for Aaron Rodgers' career so that he can be in that top echelon of quarterbacks? Does it mean just getting to a Super Bowl? Does it mean winning one Super Bowl? Does it mean winning two, multiple Super Bowls? Excuse me. What does it mean? What does this deal mean? What does Aaron Rodgers need to do to sew up his legacy for his career? First of all, if he retires in Green Bay, it will be one of the best NFL careers with one franchise. We thought we saw, I mean, Tom Brady already has that with the Patriots, but he's a guy that went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and won a Super Bowl there as well. Peyton Manning is another one of those guys that went to another team. Joe Montana. These are guys that we remember on being on more than just one team. Aaron Rodgers, he said it before he's wanted to play till his 40s. I believe he's going to be 38, or he is 38 now, 37. But this deal likely gets him into his 40s. He also has said that he wants to retire with one team. So if that happens, he'll have one of the greatest quarterback runs with one franchise in NFL history. But overall, I think with what we've seen from the Packers these past three years with Matt LaFleur, three straight 13-win seasons, two NFC championship game appearances i believe two straight years of number one seed in the nfc i don't think just a super bowl appearance is enough for aaron Rodgers. the knock on him is is that he hasn't even been back to the super bowl one more time tom brady i believe has been there 10 times he's won seven i believe now so aaron Rodgers, i think though at this point in his career if he if he had maybe six more years just getting to the super bowl might be enough for some people, but I think he's got to win that second one with Green Bay. That's kind of what this contract with the Packers is saying is, is allowing. It's allowing them to keep guys like Devondre Campbell. It's hoping to get guys like Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander, extensions with Green Bay, and leave them still room to make improvements on this team that lost in the NFC divisional round to the San Francisco 49ers. What this deal also tells me, is people say that it wasn't about money, it's a little bit about money. I mean, he he wants to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, as he should. He just came off back-to-back MVPs. We just talked about this. But I don't think it's ex- entirely all about money. I don't think he signs this deal if he doesn't talk about I mean, we talked about this last year when he had that, what was it, 45-minute-to-an-hour-long press hour press conference talking about his true feelings towards the Packers front office in Brian Gutekind's Mark Murphy, Russ Ball, guys like that. If Brian Gutekunst and the front office of the Packers didn't make the improvements that we saw this past year, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be signing this deal right now. I mean, what it sounded like was it was between coming back to Green Bay this offseason for Aaron Rodgers or retiring. Obviously, when you're going to get paid $50 million per year for three years and $150 million in guarantees – Obviously, the money has something to do with it. He's not going to retire. Maybe he didn't ever want to retire, but that's what we were getting out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' sources in this case. But you can say it's not about the money when he's the highest-paid quarterback. It's a little bit about the money, but I don't think it gets to be about the money unless the Packers' front office makes some of those amends that they did this offseason, like signing Randall Cobb, getting some of these big-time... Guys midseason, Whitney Merciless, for example. I mean, they went after, uh, was it Jalen Smith, the former uh, linebacker for the Cowboys? I mean, that one didn't work out. They also were going after guys like Odell Beckham Jr., stuff like that. Something Aaron Rodgers wants to be a part of, something he wants to see Green Bay do, change a little bit what they've done in the past. And certainly, this contract with Aaron Rodgers, where the cap hit goes up as the longer he stays on the team, is something that they have never done before. So, But I mean, it, all this is great, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay. Now the question is, what is your definition of a successful end to Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay? He's the back-to-back MVP. They're coming off three straight seasons with 13 wins. No Super Bowl appearances in those three years. They're going to run it back at least two more years is what it looks like for, Green, for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. What does that what does a successful run in those 2 to 3 years look like? Does it a Super Bowl appearance or is it a Super Bowl win? Is it multiple Super Bowl wins? In my personal opinion, I think a Super Bowl win, just one, it, I don't I, more than one is of course just the cherry on top of the whole thing, but one is what I would consider a very successful 2 to 3 year period here for Aaron Rodgers to end his career in Green Bay. I don't see him now with this deal going anywhere else after this with 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 the guarantees and how long this one is. So I think a Super Bowl win would kind of cap it off for, for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The other thing, too, that this deal brings up is what does this mean for Jordan Love? Not something that I'm going to get into today, but something for future talk in uh, further episodes when I come up with it. Because, I mean, by the end of this, by the end of Aaron Rodgers' guarantees, I believe it's $150 million guaranteed, for the first three years of this five-year extension. At the end of that three years guarantees, Jordan Love will have his rookie contract all said and done, including if the Packers pick up the fifth-year option, which I doubt they do if they know Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback for two years after Jordan Love. So what does that mean for Jordan Love? Something that we'll discuss in further episodes for sure. But we have to move on with the quarterback news because there's so much more. I mean, Tom Brady... I mean, in between these uh, podcast episodes that he retired for 40 days, then he unretired and he came back not very long. Um, Why such a short retirement? I think Tom Brady saw for 40 days what retirement looked like. He's like, man. I uh, I don't have as much to do right now, and he got a little bit bored with retirement in 40 days. And if that happened in 40 days, you definitely knew that he was going to be he he was going to need to come back to football. He'll be coming back to the Buccaneers. It looks like I think they're going to have to adjust his contract. That doesn't matter; they'll get that done. Some of their key players are coming back, but my real question is: Are the Buccaneers actually better off this year than last year? I believe a lot of their key players are getting older; they're losing a few key guys such as Jordan Whitehead a safety they lost two starting offensive linemen one to retirement one signing with the Cincinnati Bengals Chris Godwin their wide receiver one of their star wide receivers he's going to be coming off an ACL injury will he will he be ready to start the season will he have to come in mid-season a lot of their key players like I said on the defensive side are getting older the big question is are you willing to bet against Tom Brady I've tried for, for many years now to bet against Tom Brady. It has not worked in my favor. I mean, I believe if you haven't seen the the stats for Tom Brady, I believe for the past eight years or seven seasons, it's his pattern has been losing the playoffs, win a Super Bowl, losing the playoffs, win a Super Bowl. And it's, it's that's where we're at right now. We had 2020, he won the Super Bowl this past season, lost in the playoffs to the now reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. I mean, can he pull off at 45 years old? He'll be 45 when this season starts, winning another Super Bowl. I'm not willing to bet against Tom Brady. I might be willing to bet against the rest of his team if he has enough on the rest of his team to uh, to pull it off. We'll see. But I mean, that was <laughs> just the shortest retirement. When he retired, I thought he was possibly done for good. I didn't. I didn't shut the door on him being done for good, but I mean... <laughs> 40 days the mlb major league baseball had a lockout for 99 days 98 days their lockout lasted longer than tom brady's first retirement i what i do hope though for tom brady is if after this season he decides to retire it doesn't turn into one of these things for him where he retires after each season we celebrate him and then he comes back in a couple of months i hope that after this one after this first retirement it was just a test. He sees what it's like now. He's like, you know what? Maybe I can play another two, three years. If that's what he's feeling, if after this season he's going to retire for good, that's fine. I don't want him to start getting into this rhythm of, yeah, you know what? I feel like retiring after the season if he doesn't win. And then he's like, oh, you know, I still have the competitive fire. I want him to make this decision the next time he retires for it to be his final one because then that that will just become the story of the end of his career, not the greatness that we've seen for 20-plus for seasons now, 22 seasons now. I mean, one of the things they talk about with Brett Favre was um, just the Favre watch. When he retired, did he actually retire? Was he going to come back the first time with the Packers? I believe after the Jets as well, and then he was with the Minnesota Vikings. When he finally retired, people might not have taken it seriously. I don't want that to happen to Tom Brady where he retires a couple times and just decides to keep coming back. I want the next time that he actually retires to be his final decision in retiring, but more quarterback news. So in the NFC, we got Aaron Rodgers staying put Tom Brady coming back, even though he he only retired for 40 days. But here's the big, big news in the NFC in terms of quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks was traded to the Denver Broncos. And here's, here's the, final details of this trade the seattle seahawks trade away russell wilson this is what they get they get quarterback drew Locke, tight end noah fant defensive lineman shelby harris they get the broncos first round pick this year the ninth overall pick they get their first round pick next year in 2023 they get their 2022 this year's second round pick their next year 2023 second round pick and a fifth round pick this year Denver Broncos, of course, get Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth round pick. I'll tell you what, I love this deal for the Broncos. Yes, they gave up a lot. They gave up a really talented defensive lineman in Shelby Harris, a really talented tight end in Noah Fant, two first round picks, of course. But you get a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. What is he, I believe, 32, 31, 32, 33, around that age. You're going to sign him to a contract extension. He says he wants to play another 10 to 12 years. This never happens in the NFL. You don't get a franchise quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his prime still. You don't get to trade for him. This never happens. The Denver Broncos jumped at this opportunity as they absolutely should. This I thought was great for the Denver Broncos. Seahawks. I mean, you you get two first-round picks. How much do you really believe in Drew Locke? They're they're in a rebuild mode right now. The Seahawks also got rid of their longtime captain, multiple first-team All-Pros linebacker, Bobby Wagner. So they are in full rebuild mode right now. Not sure if they got enough for Russell Wilson, but the majority of this focus should be on the Denver Broncos, who are now in position in the AFC, the AFC West nonetheless, to be Super Bowl contenders, are they not? You have the winning quarterback in Russell Wilson. Take out last year with his injury to his finger. Russell Wilson is almost always on the field. You've got one of the most consistent quarterbacks as well. You've got a young offense with running or with running back Javante Williams. You got receivers like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. You can add to that as well. I mean, to me, this positions the Broncos top five in the AFC. You've got the Chiefs, you got the Ravens, you still got the Bengals. I mean, you got the Chargers. I mean, then you got to put the Broncos up in there. I mean, there's still the Titans. The AFC is absolutely loaded. The Titans are still up there as well. You got the Buffalo Bills. I forgot to mention them. So I think this puts the Broncos around that top five discussion, which puts you... In Super Bowl contention, I would think, especially with Russell Wilson, there's going to be a lot of excitement with that team and their new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who comes over from a former offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. But, I mean, let's just take a look first at their AFC West divisional opponents. I mean, there have been a ton of moves in the AFC West. First of all, let's start with the Broncos. They've got Russell Wilson. Now they also, on the defensive side, signed Randy Gregory, defensive end former of the Cowboys he gets a big five-year 70 million dollar deal they signed defensive tackle DJ Jones who is a big part of that 49ers defense a great run stuffer up the middle there for the for the Broncos I mean now you've got Bradley Chubb Randy Gregory DJ Jones as your defensive line right there you've got the secondary of Bryce Callahan Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertan last year's first round pick who's starting to look like a star this defense is loaded And then you got Russell Wilson on the other side. (laughs) Let's not forget about these other teams. The Chargers, they traded for defensive end Khalil Mack from the Bears. They sent a second-round pick over for him. They signed cornerback J.C. Jackson, formerly of the New England Patriots, to a huge five-year, like $82.5 million deal. And they re-signed their big wide receiver, Mike Williams, re-signed him for about $20 million per year. That's the Chargers. So now they've got Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, And then they've got guys like Derwin James and J.C. Jackson on their defensive side. They'll be coming after the passer now as well. Then you've got the Chiefs. They lose Tyron Matthew, but they sign a younger safety who's up and coming in Justin Reed from the Houston Texans. They've got guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones along their defensive front. And then you've got the Raiders who just today, Wednesday, is when I'm recording recording this, They just signed Chandler Jones, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals. He's good for at least 12 sacks a year. The Raiders signed him to pair with Max Crosby, who they signed to an extension, who had a good 15 sacks this past season. So, I mean, you just look at these quarterbacks in these pass-rushing duos in the AFC West. We'll start with the Broncos, who've got Russell Wilson at quarterback, their pass-rushing duo of Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Amazing. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Then with Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who I just mentioned, of course, they've got the explosive offense of Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, et cetera, on that team. Then you've got the Chargers, Justin Herbert, up-and-coming quarterback. We saw what he did last year, now with the pass-rushing duo on his team of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Don't forget about Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, who they re-signed on the offensive side. Then you've got the Raiders. The Raiders have Derek Carr took the Raiders to the playoffs last year. He's got a new offensive coach, I mean, and with all the Raiders dealt with last year, which, we're not, which we are not going to get into, of course, but everything they dealt with, still able to get to the playoffs with interim head coach Rich Passaccia, now been replaced with new head coach Josh McDaniels, former OC of the Patriots. I mean, they've got Derek Carr, and then on the defensive side, they've got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Then, of course, you've got Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, guys like that on the offensive side. So this is just an absolute arms race in the AFC West. It's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever seen a division this good in foot in the history of football. I mean, you've got four high-level quarterbacks. I think they're all four are in the top twelve of, of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's just, I mean who I in my opinion I was about to ask who comes out of the AFC West. You could pick, I think, between the three of the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers. One of those three will be the winner of that division. But I think those three will be in the playoffs, and the Raiders will still be on the edge. You could have four teams possibly make the playoffs from one division. It would That's how great this division is, in my opinion. It's absolutely insane. So I think the Broncos position themselves nicely. I don't think it puts them as the favorites in the AFC West. That's still, in my opinion, the Chiefs. I'm not going to bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, who have been to the AFC Championship every year that Patrick Mahomes has been the starter, almost to the Super Bowl every year he's been the starter, if it weren't for a late interception in the AFC Championship game to the Bengals this year, in overtime, nonetheless. But still, I mean, it puts them right on par with the Chargers. I think both all four of these teams are doing whatever they can to sign everybody on their team because it's like I said an arms race out in the AFC West. But I think it puts the Broncos in position to challenge the Chiefs in the division. And then of course once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And I think they're in a nice position with a Super Bowl winning quarterback as consistent as it gets bar last year. You can't I mean with the finger injury of course. And the Seahawks are just always just making head scratching moves with some of their draft picks, like trading two first round picks for Jamal Adams, the safety. But the Broncos now, with a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, new quarterback in Russell Wilson, absolutely love the Broncos this year. The AFC West matchups in 2022, this 2022 upcoming season, are going to be must-see TV, absolutely. I mean, and then on the other side, for the Seahawks, I don't know. I mean, we, we know that Russell Wilson wanted out. He made that public what was it over a year ago now he even they even sent out a list of a couple teams that he would be fine going to it's one of those things where you know franchise quarterbacks don't become available like this ever right but i mean is this is this the best they were going to get for russell wilson who doesn't he didn't want to resign there wasn't very happy obviously won the se- once the season started he said he wants to play in seattle he's just doing that to make to, to save face i would say I don't know. If this is the best they can do, then this is the best you can do, and you have to move on at some point. I think this also looks like the end probably for Pete Carroll as well, who I think is the oldest coach in the NFL. He's not going to want to go through a rebuild, I believe. So we'll see what this means for the Seahawks. I'm not necessarily sure, but for the Broncos, this just makes absolutely perfect sense. You go get this quarterback, and then you figure it out from there. Another big quarterback trade that we'll move on to right now The Colts, they trade quarterback Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Here's the exact uh, parameters of this deal. So Indianapolis Colts get the 2022 second-round pick from the Washington Commanders, the 42nd overall pick. Washington gets QB Carson Wentz and the Colts' 2022 second-round pick. So they swap second-round picks this year. So the Colts get the 42nd. Washington gets the 47th second-round pick that's just for 2022. The Colts also get a third-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year from Washington that can become a second-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the plays in 2022. Kind of what the Colts did with the Eagles last year in terms of if Carson Wentz plays over 70 or 80% of the plays for the Colts, the Eagles would get a first-round pick, which is ended up what happening. So, Carson Wentz, new starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, Colts TBD at this point. To me, the the big thing that comes from this is what does this say about Carson Wentz? When one of his biggest supporters, Frank Reich, who was his quarterbacks coach in Philadelphia, then was his head coach when he got traded, of course, to the Colts last year. What does this mean if one of his biggest supporters can't convince the Colts to keep him around? I mean, it's just starting to, and I don't think. Carson Wentz necessarily had a bad season last year for the Colts. I mean, they were in position with two games left to lock up a playoff spot, but he couldn't close it out for them. Maybe his two worst games of the season were week 16 against the Raiders and then week week 17 against the Raiders and then week 18 against the Jaguars in Jacksonville. He couldn't close it out. I believe he threw two picks in that game. That's just not—it's just—it leaves a sour taste in the Colts' front office. And it's just, I think, what ultimately led to them moving on from Carson Wentz, especially with what his contract is right now after he signed that big deal in Philadelphia. It followed him to Indianapolis, and now I believe it will follow him to the Washington Commanders as well. I mean, I believe he only threw, what was it, 27 touchdowns and maybe seven or eight interceptions. I'll see. That's a great season for a quarterback. And then of course it just fell apart at the end of the season. It's it's kind of an indictment on what Carson Wentz, and apparently there was uh some other off the field issues with Carson Wentz as well when it came to the Colts. So they, they moved on from him like that. What does this mean now for Washington? Does this is this a big enough upgrade for them in the week NFC East? Well, the Cowboys still have Dak Prescott, they still have the best quarterback. In the division, they lost a few key players. Like I said, Randy Gregory went to Denver. They traded away Amari Cooper, their number one slash number two wide receiver. Traded him to the Browns. We'll get to that in a second. They're losing a couple other guys as well on the offense. So Dallas is not the same team that they were last year. They still have the best quarterback. Philadelphia, they squeaked into the playoffs as well as the seventh seed. Do they really believe in Jalen Hurts? We've been hearing all offseason. With those three first-round picks that the Philadelphia Eagles have, would they take a quarterback with one of those? Would they trade a couple of those picks to get a high-level quarterback? They haven't. They didn't go in for Russell Wilson. They didn't make any offers for Aaron Rodgers, for anything like that. So it looks like they're going to stick with Jalen Hurts. And then, of course, you got the Buffalo Bills who might have to go into a rebuild with a new head coach in Brian Dayball out of Buffalo, new general manager as well, and Joe Shane out of Buffalo as well. It looks like they're going to roll with Daniel Jones. So I think with this move for Carson Wentz, I think he's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, which they tried last year. I think that he can, with Carson Wentz, this team, Ron Rivera, in the great defense that they have, I think they can be a wild-card team in the NFC or possibly even challenge for the division with the way that the Cowboys are kind of sputtering and losing a few of their key playmakers from this past season. I think this is a good upgrade for Washington. I don't know if it's necessarily a long-term one. We'll see with Ron Rivera and their offensive coordinator what they think with Carson Wentz. Can he be the guy going forward, or is this just a stopgap in terms of uh, they wanted a veteran quarterback that they know has proven he can be a winner? What does this mean next for the Indianapolis Colts? Right now, they don't have a starting quarterback, it looks like, for 2022. They're definitely still going to be in the market. Are they a team that looks at Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, who is likely to be dealt this offseason? Looks like San Francisco is going to move on to Trey Lance. Jimmy G just had shoulder surgery. That's going to keep him out, what did they say, around 16 weeks? I think that was maybe two weeks ago, so about 14 weeks still. Is that an option that the Indianapolis Colts look at. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They traded that to the Eagles last year in the deal for Carson Wentz. So we'll see. Maybe they are in the draft. Maybe they can find someone in the second round that they like. But Colts are definitely one of those teams that you have to keep an eye on when it comes to this quarterback market still. There's, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's been rumors that what if— The Raiders aren't sold on Derek Carr. I think they're going to stick with Derek Carr. Why would you not after the season he had last year? But we'll see what this means for the Indianapolis Colts going forward, moving on from Carson Wentz after one season. All right, a couple more things in terms of quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky, he signs a two-year deal worth up to $27 million with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe it's around... Like twelve to fourteen guaranteed, and can get up to twenty-seven million depending on the incentives. Mitchell Trubisky is he the next heir? Is he the heir to the now retired Ben Roethlisberger? We'll see. A lot of people like what they've seen out of Mitch Trubisky. He was a backup for Josh Allen this past season after leaving the Chicago Bears. A lot of people don't blame that Bears, his Bears tenure on him with a lot of things messed up with with, with Chicago in terms of, I mean, they've, they've cleaned house in Chicago right now with a new GM, they got a new head coach who came over from Indianapolis, new offensive coordinator. They got a whole new system coming into Chicago. A lot of people don't blame Mitchell Trubisky for that. He's an athletic quarterback. So we'll see what he's got as the starter in Pittsburgh. But the nice thing about this deal for Pittsburgh that I like, it doesn't take them out of drafting a quarterback, even in the first round if they want to. It's a two-year deal. Let's see what you can do, Mitch. It still keeps Pittsburgh, in my opinion, competitive. I mean, don't forget, I believe the Bears, they won the division, the NFC North, in 2018 with Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback. Then, of course, it was the famous <laughs> double-doink field goal miss by the Bears against the Philadelphia Eagles. Was this 2016? This was probably. I think this was 2016. 2016-2017, when the Eagles came into <laughs> came into Chicago and beat them off the missed field goal, double doink. Mitchell Trubisky was the quarterback for that Bears team, and they were the winners of the NFC North division that year. So Mitchell Trubisky goes to Pittsburgh. Can he be the heir to Ben Roethlisberger there, or is he just another one of those stopgap quarterbacks? We'll see what Pittsburgh thinks of him when they go into the draft. If they take a guy in the first round, if not, we will see. And then here is the next big domino to fall in the NFL right now. Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans, didn't play at all this past season, wasn't suspended. He is, of course, under investigation for the sexual assault allegations that have come out against him. He's recently found not guilty in the criminal charges on those cases brought against him. There's still a civil case ongoing. He's likely still to be suspended by the NFL whenever that ruling or outcome is decided. I'm only going to talk about kind of like the football fit sparingly, just where he could possibly end up, what's kind of been out there right now. The teams that are interested and have met with Deshaun Watson, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he's a 26-year-old quarterback. It looks like the asking price for him is around three first-round picks, which is a lot. It's more than what Russell Wilson went for right now. He's obviously younger still, approaching his prime, maybe in his prime right now. Took a year off from football. The thing a team that is going to trade for him is going to have to decide, Are they? do they know what kind of suspension or what kind of off the field is going to be coming along with him in terms of if he's not going to be able to play right away when he gets there. I'm assuming teams have more of a sense of what that timeline looks like than what is being reported to us as of right now. But that is the next big domino. One thing that I think for sure, I mean, you got all these NFC South teams looking at them. The the Texans have said they don't want to trade them to the AFC, but they really don't want to trade them to the AFC South, their own division. So they would consider the Browns, but it's more likely – going to be one of these three NFC South teams between Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. And the Falcons, I mean, they still have Matt Ryan. So what would that mean for him? We'll see. But I think the Saints are in the best position to trade for Deshaun Watson. I mean, this is one of those things where Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, so he can kind of pick where he wants to go as well. Saints have... Kind of some intriguing options. They did just lose Sean Payton, their head coach, who retired. He's going to be moving to the booth this upcoming season. So new head coach, Dennis Allen, is going to be the guy there if he's interested in that. Joining forces with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Cameron Jordan, guys like that. Is he interested in that? I mean, or the Carolina Panthers, maybe with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore we'll see. I think the Saints make the most sense. They can probably offer the best kind of package to send to the Houston Texans. But we'll see. Those are kind of the three teams that are interested in him right now. It's something that will most likely happen, I think, in the upcoming week or two. And then once he gets traded, of course, then we'll start to see the outcome of the civil case. And then the NFL will hopefully come down with a suspension that is worthy of what he has done, of course. You know, this is something that you can't make light of. Even though that there was no criminal charge, this is still something that is uh, very disappointing to see, for sure, coming from a quarterback in the NFL. So we'll see where Deshaun Watson ends up. Another one that just happened last night, uh, Tuesday night, while I was uh, preparing for this thing, is Baker Mayfield. I mentioned the Browns as a team that talked with Deshaun Watson. So Baker Mayfield knowing this is happening, this is being reported, he sees this. He makes a social media post pondering his future in Cleveland kind of like a preemptive thank you to Cleveland because he's not sure what's going to happen. And then, of course, reported today, it looks like even if the Browns don't land Deshaun Watson, that it looks like they're looking to move on from Baker Mayfield this offseason with or without Deshaun Watson. So, I mean... What does that mean for Baker? I mean, where could he go at this point? If this is if Right now, in terms of the quarterbacks, it looks like it's Deshaun Watson, then Baker Mayfield. Those are going to be like the next two dominoes to fall, whether Deshaun Watson goes to one of those NFC South teams or if he does end up going to Cleveland, what do the Browns do with Baker Mayfield? An interesting one for me is could Baker Mayfield end up on the Indianapolis Colts? That would make a ton of sense in this case, but Baker Mayfield posted this last night. Didn't want to leave anything uh, up for speculation, debate. He was just saying the future is kind of uh, a mystery right now. I I I know what's going on. I just still want to say thank you to Cleveland. Kind of just interesting timing. Not nothing. uh, Not skeptical. What's the the cryptic is the word I'm looking for. Nothing cryptic in the post. Very straightforward. But it it was a little awkward, in my opinion, reading it, because what if the Browns don't land Deshaun Watson? This looks like they'll be moving on from Baker Mayfield no matter what happens with Deshaun Watson. So we'll see. I mean, Baker Mayfield likely, it looks like, out in Cleveland, and we'll see what they do with or without him. With or without Deshaun Watson is what I mean to say. I mean, to me, this seems unless they get Deshaun Watson, this seems just like a bad move. For the Cleveland Browns, I mean, he's a guy that led you to the playoffs. He's he's a winning quarterback. He gave it his all this past season with shoulder injuries and whatnot. Had shoulder surgery this off season. This just seems like a bad move for Cleveland unless they get Deshaun Watson. I just don't see them. They just you just know how bad they are with quarterbacks and and everything like that. They have a good team. They have a really good roster. They just traded for Amari Cooper from the Cowboys. We'll see how it works out for them, but it looks like Baker Mayfield out in Cleveland. So other quarterback dominoes to possibly fall still, it looks like. I mentioned Deshaun Watson. That's probably the next big one. Then with after Deshaun Watson, it will probably be Baker Mayfield. Other ones, Jimmy Garoppolo. We mentioned him with the Indianapolis Colts earlier. He'll have to be traded if it looks like the 49ers are looking to move on to Trey Lance. Like I said, he had shoulder surgery. That will take about another 14, 15 weeks to heal, so we'll see there. Marcus Mariota, backup quarterback with the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland. That's why I had to pause there. Can he be a starter again in the NFL? A lot of people like what they see out of him in Las Vegas, so we'll see if he gets another shot at being a starter. Jameis Winston, he's a free agent coming off of a year with the New Orleans Saints. He's recovering from an ACL injury. We'll see if the Saints take another shot with him if they miss out on Deshaun Watson. So Jameis Winston is one of those guys. Look for his market to heat up once the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes are kind of over. Here are the QB needy teams, in my opinion. You got the Colts, Panthers, Saints, and Seahawks. This list does not include teams like the Lions and Texans and and Falcons and Steelers. They have short-term plans right now like the Lions have Jared Goff, they have they probably have to start him next year just because of the contract. Texans, they have Davis Mills, who they're going to see what they got. Steelers just signed Mitch Trubisky, stuff like that. They at least have short-term plans. The Colts, Panthers, Saints, and Seahawks, I don't even think they have short-term plans right now. I mean, the Panthers, they really probably don't want to roll out with Sam Darnold again. The Saints don't have, they probably aren't going to go with Taysom Hill now that Sean Payton is no longer there since Sean Payton was a huge Taysom Hill guy. So those are the four needy teams short-term that need a quarterback, in my opinion. Colts, Panthers, Saints, and Seahawks. I mean, that's just quarterback news right there. That took 40 minutes itself, itself just to get through quarterbacks. Other big free agency trades, deals, releases that have happened so far, and this is just to name a couple right now. I mean, Julio Jones just today, Wednesday, was released by the Titans. He's going to be free to sign with any team he wants after one year. He's done in Tennessee. I believe he missed, what, was it seven or eight, almost half the season with injury. So we'll see what his kind of market looks like. I mean, the Packers re-signed Devondre Campbell to a big five-year, $50 million contract. This was huge for the Packers defense. They get their first team all-pro linebacker back to lead that squad. I think this is one of the the biggest de- biggest signings for the Packers, I mean, including Aaron Rodgers, of course. The Packers also franchise-tagged Devontae Adams, which is a one-year deal. He says he's not going to play on it. This is something we can talk about next week as well, where I don't think he should, but he's looking for a contract more in the $30 million annually range, and I'll talk about that in a second as well. Amari Cooper, I mentioned, traded from the Cowboys to the Browns. Zadarius Smith, former Packer, he was released by the Packers, and he's signing back with the Ravens. Used to play for the Ravens, went to, the, went to Green Bay. Now he's going back to Baltimore on a three-year, $35 million deal. I mean, the Jaguars, they tend, it looks like everybody calls them, I'm going to air quotes here, you can't see them, quotes. Jaguars win the offseason every single year. I mean, they go on a spending spree every time. They sign a bunch of guys, for example, Brandon Sheriff pro bowl guard out of washington he's going to jacksonville darius williams cornerback from the super bowl champion rams is going to jacksonville christian kirk slot receiver from the cardinals he got a big year big deal was it four or five years it's around 20 million dollars average for this guy he's going to jacksonville they get guys like wide receiver zay jones a nice linebacker from the falcons Jaguars spending a lot of money to surround Trevor Lawrence. We'll see if it pays off. I feel like we say this every year where Jacksonville, here comes the quotes again, win the offseason, and then it leads to like four wins. So we'll see what it really means. They got a new head coach in Doug Peterson. We'll see if he can change the culture down there in Jacksonville after they fired Urban Meyer less than a season into it. Of course, you all remember that. Ravens, they signed Saints safety. Marcus Williams to a huge five-year, $70 million deal. There's still some big free agents left out there to be signed. There's guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller, Teron Armstead, big-time tackle from the New Orleans Saints, Tyron Matthew, big-time safety from the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a ton of guys still yet to be signed. Here's just a couple of the big ones that kind of sparked my interest in terms of deals that are done. It's funny. A lot of these deals were done before they could officially be signed. The NFL has this new legal tampering period. What does that mean? I have no idea. How is it legally tampering? I don't know. But these guys are signing these deals today. So that is kind of getting caught up on the NFL offseason. Now I'm going to try and transition over into March Madness, which is here, I believe, Wednesday, today is the last day for those play-in games, and then we get to the round of 64, which is when the real madness begins. All right. So if you haven't yet, your brackets are due today or tomorrow, whenever I Thursday, March 17th. St. Patrick's Day, actually. But I myself like to fill out maybe two, two to four brackets, and I'm, I'm going to make you this uh, disclosure right here. Whenever... The Wisconsin Badgers are a top three or four seed. Whenever they're in the top three or four seeds of the NCAA bracket, I always have to make one where they are the champion. I mean, if you don't do that with your favorite college team, whenever there's a reasonable chance that they can make it to the final four, make it as the champion. If you don't have at least one bracket where they're the champion, I'm not sure how big of a fan you really are in that case then. So for me, the Badgers this year are a three seed. I do have a bracket with them winning. To move on now, I'm not going to fill out an entire bracket right now. What I'm going to tell you is a couple of my favorite upsets in the first round. I'll share with you who I have in my final four, and then I'll tell you who I have as my champion in one of my brackets. You already know the champion in another one of my brackets, which is the Wisconsin Badgers. They are a three seed this year. Could have easily been a two seed in my opinion. But Here are some of my favorite upsets in round one of the NCAA tournament this year. The one seeds this year, you had Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor. Defending champion Baylor, defending runner-up Gonzaga, both get one seeds once again this year. So, some of my favorite upsets. Number 13, South Dakota, over number four, Providence. Let's see which uh, region this is in. This is in the Midwest region. I have number 13, South Dakota upsetting number four providence here's 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 why they have the longest win streak in college basketball always good to come into march hot they have a great three-point shooting team this is one of the best offenses in all of college basketball that's why i like them over providence you got to have a couple of big time upsets i mean last year i was looking at last year's bracket we had a 15 seed 14 seed 13 seed 12 seed 11 seed and, of course, a 10 seed all upset their matchup. So we had a 15 seed over a 2 seed, 14 seed over a 3 seed, etc. You go from there. I believe um, UCLA was an 11 seed. They were in that first four, so that round of 68. They were in the first four bracket, made it all the way to the final four. So nobody really knows how this is going to go, but you know. You just know there's going to be an upset every year. you got to have a 12 seed Beating a five seed. So in my opinion, I took Indiana over St. Mary's. Indiana ranked twelve, a twelve seed. St. Mary's, a five seed. One of my reasons: always got to have a twelve, five, always got to have a twelve-five upset. Got to have at least one every year in your bracket. Also, Indiana, they have a stellar defense. They were one of these play-in teams. They've already won one of their first games, and they compete. They have just one of the best defenses in the country, and they competed very well. Very tough in the Big Ten Conference, which is one of the best conferences in college basketball this year. So I have Indiana over St. Mary's as another one of my favorite upsets. I think I actually have, I'll give you just a little bit more on Indiana. I have Indiana making it all the way to, my, to, the, to the Elite Eight, in my opinion. I think they've been playing incredibly well. They did really well in the Big Ten Tournament. I think making it all the way to the semifinals before losing to... Did they lose to the champion? No, I think they lost to Purdue who made it to the championship game in the Big Ten tournament. But Indiana, a really good team, really great defense. I have them as an upset over St. Mary's. I actually have them all the way until the Elite Eight. Another upset I like is Vermont, number 13, over Arkansas, number 4. This is up in the West region. Vermont, I mean, Arkansas, they lack size. Vermont is one of those, is a really good It's just going to be a tough game for whoever draws Vermont. Arkansas lacks lacks size in this tournament, and they're not a great shooting team. So if you're smaller and you can't shoot, I mean, you're you're not going to be able to get any of these rebounds. Vermont out-rebounds Arkansas. That's why I think Vermont is going to get the upset win over Arkansas. In this case, another 13 over 4. And then another one, I have a few more upsets. I'm just going to give you one more that I like. I like Virginia Tech, the 11th seed. What region was this in? There, I have them over number six seed, Texas. The reason I like Virginia Tech so much, they are hot off of beating Duke in the ACC tournament. I like the fact that they are coming in on a nice winning streak. I think they can continue that here in the NCAA tournament. I can't hear they are. They're up in the east region as well as Indiana. So I have the 12 seed Indiana and the 11 seed Virginia Tech, both with upset wins in that East bracket, but those are some of my favorite upsets. Number 13, South Dakota State, over number four, Providence. Number 13, Vermont, over number four, Arkansas. Number 12, Indiana, over number five, St. Mary's. I actually have them all the way into the Elite Eight, kind of like Indiana this year. And then number 11, Virginia Tech, over number six, Texas. Virginia Tech is really hot coming off that ACC tournament championship. So those are some of my favorite upsets, going into the bracket this year. My final four, here's my final four. Right now, is how I have it. Gonzaga coming out of that east region. I have number two, Kentucky, coming out of, what is it, the south region. I have Arizona coming out of their division, and then Wisconsin coming out of the Midwest. So that's my final four. Number one, seed Gonzaga. Number two, seed Kentucky. Number one seed Arizona and number three seed Wisconsin. So you already know I have Wisconsin as my champion in one bracket. I told you, whenever they're a top three or four seed, it's a, it's your preference. But if you don't have your favorite college, whenever they have a really good shot of winning the championship in one bracket, you don't pick them. I think that's a mistake. You're just because then you don't have a, a bracket you can root for when you're rooting for your favorite team. But if you have them losing in the sweet 16 if you have them losing in the second round how can you how can you have fun with your bracket then if you have a bracket that has your favorite team as the winner that's your favorite bracket that's the one you root for that's that's my opinion but in the bracket that i don't have wisconsin as the champion i have arizona the 1 seed what what region are they in are they in the south region or are they in the north region they're in the south region there is no north region duh I have Arizona as my overall champion in my non-Wisconsin bracket. Arizona is probably playing the best basketball in college basketball right now. I know Gonzaga got the number one overall seed, but I really like Arizona, the way they're coming in to this tournament. I mean, they just won the Pac-12 championship. They've just been consistent all year. I mean, 31-3 and 3 was their record this year. Um, I mean, they're just efficient. That's why I like this Arizona team going all the way in my non-Wisconsin bracket. So in I've I've, I've made, I believe, four brackets. I have Arizona as my champion in two of them. I have Wisconsin as a champion in one of them. And then I haven't filled out that fourth one yet. I've still got a little bit of time. But final four of number one, Gonzaga, number two, Kentucky, number one, Arizona, and number three, Wisconsin. And then my overall champion being the Arizona Wildcats this year, that is... Is kind of the a a preview, a peek at my uh, March Madness brackets this year. Do with it what you will. By the time you listen to this, it might be a little bit too late. But next week, when we do this, uh, when we do another podcast, we'll take a look at how I did. I'm mostly interested to see on how my upset picks do. I think I did pretty good with some of my upset picks. One of the things I always struggle with is is getting some of those lower seeds, like double digit seeds, to the Elite Eight see if maybe you can try and squeeze one into the final four if you're comfortable enough. I mean, I think I was looking last year, we had a 15 seed, make it all the way to the sweet 16. And then we had a 12 seed and an 11 seed, make it to the elite eight. We had Oregon State, a 12 seed last year, make it to the elite eight, eventually lost to Houston, who made it to the final four. And then we had UCLA, an 11 seed, make it to the final four, beating a one seed in Michigan. So I mean. That's something that I always struggle with is getting some of these lower seeds. Like it's easy to pick like multiple upsets in the first round, right? But once you get to the second, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, are you still comfortable picking some of those upsets? And that's something that uh, I think I did a better job with. I think I picked some good upsets, and then hopefully I picked uh, some of the right teams because the, the the deeper you go, that's where you get more points in in terms of these brackets. So we'll see how I did. We'll we'll talk about it next week as well. All right, that is March Madness. Can't miss it. It's it's one of the best times of the year watching all these basketball games. I remember in high school and then especially in college whenever you were in class uh, at least having your computer up, having a buddy's computer up right next to you, both of you trying to stream two games at once, just all the madness. It's the best. All right. Let's move on now to my final thought on today's episode of the Final Final Podcast. Actually, just as I'm recording this here, another, this is a massive contract that just came down. Von Miller is signing with the Buffalo Bills on a six-year, $120 million contract. That's absolutely insane. I don't know the exact details because this is literally coming down just as I'm recording this right now, but it looks like about $20 million per year average. It could be less in terms of what the signing bonus is and whatnot, but this is an incredible deal for the Buffalo Bills. They get a star pass rusher. Now, Von Miller's 33. He's not going to play out the full six years of this deal. A lot of this money has got to be guaranteed up front, I'm assuming, and this is probably more like a three-year deal, three- or four-year deal when he's 36, 35, 36. But wow, Buffalo gets an absolute stud at pass rusher in Von Miller coming off of his second Super Bowl championship with the Los Angeles Rams. Big-time deal for Von Miller. He's going to the Buffalo Bills. So I just had to get that in here on my final thought because my final thought is big, big player contracts, no hometown discounts i.e. in this situation, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers this offseason. I feel like I talked about this last year. But fans are always expecting players on their favorite teams to take less than what they are looking for, what they deserve. Always makes me chuckle because these players are doing what anyone else would do in their situations, and that's getting the money that they earned. I mean, for example, I wouldn't, you wouldn't, anybody listening, anybody anywhere wouldn't go into a work negotiation at their job and say, "Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a discount, or I'll take less than what I've earned on my next, on my contract, or when I am moving to a new job." It's not like you're gonna go, "Oh yeah, you know what? I'll take a little bit less I, I've, than what I've earned, what I've worked up towards." You wouldn't do that. Why would an NFL player do that? Then, I mean, yes, it's significantly different money we're talking about with you and me and anybody else at our normal <laughs> jobs compared to an NFL player with the earning that the money that they get but these players are earning that money with the performance on the field their team success which then leads to these record breaking unimaginable TV deals that the NFL gets like these like this Aaron Rodgers 50 million per year contract is going to look like nothing in 2 years to these NFL teams when they are getting their slice of the pie for these Huge deals with Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, anybody else. These contracts with the NFL to stream these games are insane. So why would players not get what they earn? So Devontae Adams is looking to get $30 million per year. Christian Kirk, the wide receiver formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, he was probably the second, sometimes the third option on the Arizona Cardinals. He's a good wide receiver, but he's going to be making $21 million per year. Devontae Adams is looking for $30 million per year. You're talking about a two-time first-team All-Pro. He's got a Hall of Fame resume building right now. It's not necessarily Hall of Fame right now, but it's building towards a Hall of Fame resume. $30 million is absolutely what he deserves and has earned at this point in his career, people saying, I'll oh, take the discount so the team can get better. The, the team will do just fine if they pay Devontae Adams $30 million per year. They can work out the logistics of that. Devonte Adams wants to be paid as the highest paid wide receiver because he is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Seems pretty fair to me. I mean, if you're the best at your position, you should be paid well above. The best at your position if you're well above that so it just always makes me chuckle when we get these big player contracts and people are like are you kidding me what's the difference between 30 million and 23 million well it it means a lot to guys like this especially when that's what they are worth you wouldn't take anything less than what you're worth why should these players do that as well i mean we just got that with this von miller deal that came down at six years 120 million dollars like i said I don't know the exact details of this deal right now because this is just coming in. But Vaughn Miller, two-time Super Bowl champion, one of the best pass rushers still. He's feeling healthy. The Buffalo Bills think he's probably healthy, otherwise they wouldn't give him this deal. He's getting his money. I don't see why people get all bent out of shape when a guy is asking for what he has earned. $30 million will be nothing compared to what these NFL teams are making with these huge... TV deals. There's also now all these gambling deals that are coming into play with the NFL. I mean, I didn't even think about adding this into today's episode, but we'll talk about it next episode for sure. I mean, Kelvin Ridley with uh, his suspension in terms of betting on NFL games. So, I mean, but yet you see on NFL Network, which where I work, we talk about betting. They have deals with DraftKings and FanDuel, and you see this. So, those deals also go to all these teams. Yes, Devontae Adams is worth $30 million per year. Aaron Rodgers is worth $50 million per year. And I don't know why people think that it uh, makes sense for them to take less than what they've earned. So that's my thought on that when it comes to these big player contracts and people thinking of hometown discounts or you don't need to pay them this much. this uh, It's all worth it. It won't be much when it's all said and done. All right, final, final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Next episode, we'll have my personal combine recap time spent when I was in Indy, which was a ton of fun. Um, And I'll be attempting, like I said at the beginning of this episode, two episodes per week, kind of keeping them on the shorter side, one to begin the week, one to end it. I'm thinking like Monday and Thursday right now, but the exact details I haven't really decided yet. But I'm excited because then I can spend more time on some things, I mean, including the NBA The season is wrapping up right now. I didn't even get to that on this episode. I mean, players have been scoring at an outrageous mark in just the month of March. Seven players have scored 50-plus points in just the month of March. I believe the last time eight players scored 50-plus points in just one month was in 1962. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving and Karl-Anthony Towns just both went for 60 points in, like, back-to-back nights. So, I mean, we'll talk about the NBA for sure in one of my two episodes next week. More NFL free agency, college basketball, as well as March Madness rolls along. The MLB lockout ending this season. I didn't even get to that in this episode as well. That's pretty crazy. I mentioned Kelvin Ridley's suspension I want to talk about as well. And we'll see what other dominoes fall in in the NFL and anything else that I would like to talk about as well. I can make them shorter episodes while still diving a little bit deeper. Like I did today. I thought I'd dive pretty deep when it comes to all those quarterback deals that have been done so far. I mean, that took the first 40 minutes. But that's my initial plan. And I hope you continue to listen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the final final podcast. I know it's been a while since I've made one. So thank you for coming back. i will hopefully will be making more and releasing more of them soon. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe out there. And this is the final final.